Hey everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. It's good to be with you today. Um, I am actually experimenting with this episode, um, sitting outside, um, weather's good, and I'm smoking some um, burnt ends on my big green egg, so I thought I would just waft in the smell of bacon products as I was reading to you from the Bible. So if the uh, wind and the birds and all that stuff is distracting, this will just be a one and done kind of deal. But the weather just seemed too beautiful to not be outside on my porch. I'm going to read from Luke. Uh, We're staying in Luke. We're going to hang with Jesus here for a little while. Um, This is a very memorable and very powerful moment of uh, engagement between Jesus and uh, religious people and between Jesus and a sinner. Uh, So you get to pick who you want to identify with in this story. Um, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. And then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. And now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, um, when the Pharisee, sorry, who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered him, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But to the one whom little is forgiven, loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But to those who were at the table with him, began to say to himself, Who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we pray that you'd help us to hear your word today. We ask you, God, to open up our hearts to your renewing work. Jesus, we want to experience you in ways that are transformative and stir courage in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, it is so tempting when you read a passage like this to think about this woman. I mean, it's amazing. And I will say some things about her. Uh, she is beautiful, courageous. But I want to go back to what we've been holding over these next few, last few episodes. What is it? What was it about Jesus that gave her the courage to approach him? So before we can really answer that question, I think we need to have a little bit of a lay of the land. Um, you're probably imagining a dinner thrown in someone's formal dining room. That's probably not what was happening here. It was not uncommon for important people to have a kind of courtyard space that would open out to the street into the community. And so they would have dinners outside so that common people like this woman, passersby would be able to stand in the distance and listen and observe as important people had important conversations. Sort of think about this in the era before television, this would have been kind of like community theater. 
important people lounging and commoners like you and me would not have access to go to the meal, but we could certainly stand on the periphery and observe the meal and see the people and hear the people. So this woman was undoubtedly in the crowd just like that. So she was not invited into this guy's house. She was in a crowd on the street being able to observe an important conversation occur. And yet there's something about Jesus that causes her to cross the line, causes her to move from anonymity, from the crowd, into the personal space of Simon and into Jesus's personal space and began to do things for him, uh, to anoint his feet, to wash his feet with her hair, to dry his feet, to kiss his feet. She moves toward Jesus and we're told about this woman only that she was a sinner. We're not told exactly what she had done that was sinful. There's a strong suggestion here that it was probably sexual sin, that she had a reputation because there was that phrase from Simon the Pharisee, what kind of woman this is. If he knew what kind of woman she was and who was touching him, he wouldn't let it happen. So that strongly suggests like sexual impropriety or relationship or two or more that would have given her a reputation in a very small town. So this woman is a marked woman. Not unlike the paralytic, not unlike Simon, not unlike the person we looked at in the last passage. She's a person who'd lost her life, who had lost some of her hope, her joy, her purpose. She's sidelined. She's an outsider. And yet this outsider who's living less than free feels compelled to move toward Jesus. And we see this over and over and over again in the New Testament. There was something about Jesus It makes him a lot different, actually, from a lot of religious people today. There was something about Jesus that drew people in who were aware of their neediness and their sin. We've been talking a lot lately about our sinfulness on the the podcast and the fact that Jesus came as a doctor to heal the sick. Sin makes us sick. And we live in a time where we're so tempted to distance ourselves from an awareness of our own sinfulness. We sometimes want to pretend that there is no such thing as sin. There are just misunderstandings or things that are hardwired into our DNA, that there's a reasonable explanation for everything. And the sad thing for that is um, when we distance ourselves from an awareness of sin, I think we actually distance ourselves from the ability to receive what Jesus has come to provide. She's excluded. She's living less than a full and whole and joyful life. This is very similar to the people we've been holding in the last number of episodes. I want you to consider what it would have felt like to witness or experience this encounter. This woman brings an alabaster jar. She stands behind Jesus at his feet. She begins to weep. So there's like a a scene unfolding. She begins to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. And then she kisses his feet and anoints his feet with anointment. Her circumstance does not define her act of worship, her moving toward Jesus. And we've been saying this lately that our circumstances when we're rooted and grounded in the Lord are like like weather systems. They come, they go, they change. And this woman had a remarkably difficult circumstance. And yet she does not allow her current circumstance to keep her from moving toward Jesus. And actually she doesn't allow her current circumstance to give her hope and confidence that her life might move in a new direction. There's an invitation here, I think, for all of us to quit pretending. 
If your circumstances don't define you, then why not be realistic about your circumstances? I don't think this woman was under any illusion that her circumstances were bad. I mean, she was a marked woman. She did not have the respect of people around her, and yet she wasn't pretending. She wasn't pretending to be someone she wasn't. She wasn't pretending things were better than they were. And I think for some of you listening to me today, if Jesus wants to move to you in your temporal circumstances, then why not be realistic about your circumstances? Don't catastrophize on one hand and make them worse than they are. I tend to do that. Don't minimize them on the other hand and make them somehow better than they are. I also tend to do that. Just let your circumstances be exactly what they are because they don't define us. Jesus doesn't stay or keep himself apart from us because of our circumstances, and he doesn't want our circumstances to hold us in a kind of stuck pattern. I think the power of your circumstances will begin to diminish when you're able to see reality and believe that Jesus makes a way for us to move through our current reality into something else. So what does Jesus do when this woman anoints his feet? Well, we're told he chooses to tell a story about forgiveness. As he's being judged, he chooses to tell the host, Simon, a Pharisee. So this is not Simon Peter, different guy, a story. And I love this so much. The story is about two people who owe differing amounts. One owes 50 days wages, the other 500. So neither amount is like a nothing amount. But one, you could almost trick yourself into believing you could handle it, right? 50 days, you're like, I could really buckle down, make it happen. There's, there's, there's meaning in that. The other 500 days, like you're crushed by that kind of debt. So Jesus tells a story. And then he says, I think, something to Simon about his tendency to believe that he could figure out whatever problems are present in his life, right? Because it's strongly assumed here that the woman was the 500 and Simon was the 50. Do you believe that Jesus is telling Simon that he's better than this woman? Not a chance. I believe this story, as has been true throughout the last number of encounters Jesus had with various kinds of people, is about our invitation to receive an awareness of our neediness and our sin and our vulnerability. Seemingly, the more aware you are of your need for Jesus, the more Jesus is able to give you and forgive you, the more he's able to meet you and me. So I believe this is about an awareness. This is about having a right-sized awareness of the fact that we can't solve our own problems, we can't fix our own mistakes, that we can't take care of ourselves. So I just want to ask you a few questions. Where are you in need? Where have you sinned? Where do you need Jesus the healer? Where are you less than free? Where are you living less than the life that God wants you to live, that he has for you? Where might God restore you? These are the questions Jesus wants us to ask because in answering these questions, I believe we'll find God moving close to us. And the way this story ends is amazing. It ends with forgiveness, rescue, and peace. Jesus speaks to her and says, I forgive you, which means that which you owe and cannot pay, I cancel the debt which he only could have said if he were God, right? Only God could say, I forgive the thing that is owed to God. Jesus says, I forgive you. And then when he says your faith has saved you, that's such a beautiful idea because the idea of being saved here is really what being saved is supposed to mean for Christians. It means that we're being rescued, redeemed, that we're not on our own. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to dig out of that 500-day hole or that 50-day hole. We we're forgiven, we're redeemed. And then he says, go in peace. And I just love that. I, 
I could be reading more into this story than should be there. I don't think I am. When he says, go in peace, what he's saying is, I want you to get your life moving again. See, her sin had sidelined her. Yours, yours has done the same to you. I know mine has for me. Our, our sin has a way of locking us down, of getting us stuck. And here at the end, he gives her a sense of movement. Go in peace. Oh, God wants your days to be marked by movement and peace. A sense of being unstuck and invited to receive the kindness of God that gives us this ability to relax, to trust him. My prayer for you today is that you would move toward Jesus regardless of what's going on in your life. That you would name your neediness and your sin and not pretend that it's better than it is or worse than it is. But just recognize that whatever it is, you can't fix it on your own. But Jesus has something to say about your life and mine. God bless you. Go in peace.